Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. President Trump makes history once again, but does it move the Middle East any closer to peace? Plus, President Trump vows to to bring back jobs to China. And if you're waiting for an apology from the White House, get comfortable, friends. This is the State of America tonight. Today, we officially open the United States Embassy in Jerusalem. When President Trump makes a promise, he keeps it. Palestinians are angry about this embassy move. I'm not going to validate a leak. I think the remarks are awful. We've all said things in private that we would never say publicly. It's a pretty disgusting thing to say. If it was a joke, it was a terrible joke. Trump is working to get Chinese smartphone maker ZTE back into business. China, of course, has long been a favorite punching bag for the president. China's taking our jobs, our money, our base, our manufacturing. Baldwin live in New York. Here for our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. Today is a mixed bag of promises, I guess you could say. Some kept, some not, and some we don't know what to do with. First, a promise kept. The U.S. officially moves its Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. Israel is a sovereign nation with the right, like every other sovereign nation, to determine its own capital. Yet, for many years, we failed to acknowledge the obvious, the plain reality that Israel's capital is Jerusalem. President Trump making good on something he promised during the campaign, and quite frankly, many presidents before him have promised as well. As soon as I take office, I will begin the process of moving the United States ambassador to the city Israel as chosen as its capital. I continue to say that Uh, Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel. And I have said that before, and I will say it again. But after decades of this promise made and never kept, President Trump did, making an already close relationship even closer with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. What a glorious day. Remember this moment. This is history. But not everyone was celebrating today. Clashes and protests in Gaza have left more than 50 Palestinians dead, more than 2,000 injured. Local officials say it is the largest number of fatalities in a single day since these demonstrations started more than six weeks ago. Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, who's been tasked with brokering a Mideast peace deal, acknowledged those protests today. As we have seen from the protests of the last month and even today, Those provoking violence are part of the problem and not part of the solution. But one former Obama State Department official says it's actually President Trump's decision that's not part of the solution. 
Look at the president's tweet this morning. A great day for Israel. You know what? I agree with him. It is. But it's a terrible day for the Middle East peace process. Now, I think they have completely undermined any effort to effectively act as a mediator between the two sides or as any credible uh, arbiter of, uh, of, the, of the interests of, of both sides. Uh, I think this sets it, sets it back uh, uh, extremely far. Well, now to another campaign promise. This one not fulfilled. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I tell you that. Still one of my all-time favorite quotes. I could hear it a million times over. I'll give him this. The unemployment rate here is at its lowest point since the year 2000. But when he says the best jobs president that God ever created, did the president actually mean for China this whole time? I ask because of this. A tweet. President Xi of China and I are working together to give massive Chinese phone company ZTE a way, ba- a way to get back into business fast. Too many jobs in China lost. Commerce Department has been instructed to get it done. Yeah, you heard that right. Too many jobs lost in China. The same China that President Trump spent pretty much the entire election railing against. Need a refresher? Here you go. China's taking our jobs, our money, our base, our manufacturing. What they've done to us is the greatest single theft in the history of the world. We can't continue to allow China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. The greatest abuser in the history of this country. A currency manipulator. Rampant theft of intellectual property. They break the rules in every way imaginable. We lose hundreds of billions of dollars a year on trade with China. The days of the United States being taken advantage of are over. They have really done a number on this country. So after all of this, you might be wondering, what exactly is ZTE? It is one of China's biggest telecom companies, a smartphone maker with about 75,000 employees. But here's the rub. ZTE has also faced sanctions from the Trump administration for violating trade restrictions on doing business with Iran and North Korea and lying about it. The Pentagon has gone so far as just last month banning sales of ZTE phones from U.S. military bases. And then there is this from back in February, a congressional hearing with the nation's top intelligence leaders. Will you please raise your hand if you would use products or services from Huawei or ZTE? None of you would. Raise your hand if you would recommend that private American citizens use Huawei or ZTE products or services. None of you, again, are raising your hand. Yes, that's the company that President Trump now says that he wants to save. The White House putting out a statement to explain the president then this way. President Trump expects <laughs> President Trump expects Secretary Ross to exercise his independent judgment consistent with applicable laws and regulations to resolve the regulatory action involving ZTE based on its facts. No one can blame Wilbur Ross for being confused with all of this today. Honestly, no one could even blame candidate Trump for being confused either. Well, now to another promise. This one we don't quite know what to do with. It involves a woman on the left of your screen. White House communications aide Kelly Sadler, whose sources say, pledged in a phone call with Meghan McCain to make a public apology to McCain's father, Senator John McCain, for the joke mocking his health last week. She joked in a closed-door meeting, you'll remember, at the White House that McCain's opinions don't matter because he's, quote, dying anyway. McCain is battling brain cancer. That promised apology, though, that came in that phone call to his daughter, not a promise kept, at least yet, and the backlash is growing. 
It's a pretty disgusting thing to say. If it was a joke, it was a terrible joke. I just wish somebody from the White House would tell the country that was inappropriate. Somebody in my office said it's such a, such a thing about somebody. I would apologize on behalf of the office. Well, that has not happened from President Trump, but we have heard from some White House officials, and here is what they're focused on. You have to have some freedom to speak in, in a private meeting, to speak candidly. We've all said things in private, especially in smaller groups that we work with, that we would never say publicly. I think she's handled it appropriately. Um, I'm really disappointed that, uh, that, that someone uh, would undermine the president by leaking that out of a private meeting. Here's how John McCain's daughter, Megan, responded today. Figure and if you're working mm -hmm. in the White House, you should expect everything you're saying in any context to be leaked. If, if someone said something that egregious and intense on this mm -hmm. show backstage, I'd expect it to be on the Daily Mail in eight seconds. The message there, watch your words no matter where, whose office you work in. The message back, though, from the White House, at least right now, is sorry, not sorry. So there you have it. What's the latest line from the White House on the promise kept? actually kept today, moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Well, let's find out. Seeing as Jeremy Diamond is joining me right now from the White House. Jeremy, what are you hearing from over there? Uh, well, Kate, uh, White House Deputy Press Secretary Raj Shah is briefing reporters right now, and he has already commented on the situation currently unfolding in Gaza, where more than 50 Palestinians have already been killed by Israeli security forces amid clashes uh, on the Gaza-Israel border there. Uh, and the White House's position at this point is that Hamas is solely responsible for these uh, tragic deaths uh, in Gaza. That is the line from uh, the White House Deputy Press Secretary Raj Shah. Uh, the Israeli security forces were, of course, directly responsible as far as firing the live ammunition that killed those uh, individuals, as far as our understanding at this point. Uh, but the White House saying that Hamas has helped provoke the situation and created it at this point. Uh, but the White House was really focused more on what was happening in Jerusalem, uh, a dozen, several dozen miles uh, away, uh, where, of course, the White House uh, delegation there, led by the Deputy Secretary of State, but also uh, White House Senior Advisor Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter, were celebrating the opening of this embassy in Jerusalem. And it was a pretty jarring split screen that we had today with those clashes happening in Gaza uh, and this celebratory atmosphere that was taking place in Jerusalem where uh, this opening of the embassy fulfills a major campaign promise for this president. And that was definitely something that the White House has been focused on today. Uh, and despite that split screen with the clashes happening in Gaza, protests also in the West Bank, Jared Kushner, who is leading that peace effort in the Middle East, uh, for the United States, said that he still believes that peace is within reach. Uh, and uh, so despite uh, the fact that the embassy move has clearly irritated tensions there, Jared Kushner still pressing ahead with his peace efforts. Uh, a lot of experts in the region, though, are very skeptical that it can actually go anywhere. Kate? Yeah, peace is in with reach for Jared Kushner. He is a pretty big wingspan, I guess we must say. <laughs> Great to see you, Jeremy. Thanks so much. Coming up, every president since Bill Clinton promised to do it. Why did it take Donald Trump to get it done? Can a change of address change everything in the Middle East? The panel is next. Supporters say it's the first move towards a real peace. Critics say it does exactly the opposite as deadly clashes and protests break out. So what does the U.S. moving its embassy in Israel really mean? The panel tonight, Mike Morey is here. He's a former communications director for Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer. 
Alice Stewart is a CNN political commentator, former communications director for Republican presidential candidate Senator Ted Cruz. Paris Denard is a CNN political commentator and member of President Trump's re-election advisory, advisory board. And CNN global affairs analyst Kim Dozier. Great to see you guys. Let's get to it. Kim, first you. Many presidents, I mean, we played this over and over, and we all know this, of course. Many presidents have promised this, everyone since Clinton promise that this is the move that they're going to make. And every time also then sign the waiver promising, but then citing national security concerns for not moving it right then and there. What's different now? They made the promise holding it out as something for Israel to work towards, to make concessions towards a Palestinian state. That didn't happen in this case. Actually, the whole issue of Jerusalem, even the Palestinian question, had become rather moribund with the Syrian crisis right next door, more than uh, half a million people killed. This move may ironically end up recharging the whole crisis across the Arab world. It had been displaced, but these images coming out of Gaza, it may be, as the White House says, Hamas's intent to stir this kind of unrest very cynically, but I think it's going to have an effect in the weeks and months to come. This is an issue, though, that crosses party lines. This is one issue, maybe the singular issue, that your former boss, Chuck Schumer, applauds the president for. Why did it take Donald Trump to get it done, Mike? So, look, I think Donald Trump has thrown, as he always does, caution to the wind. Now, there are obviously domestic political considerations that come into play when it comes to things like Israel, the capital of the state of Israel. Um, And I think why president after president has sort of kicked the can on this decision is largely because they understand the actions that you see happening today were bound to happen when you do it. Um, So granted, Israel has the right to decide where it wants to place its state capital. The United States has the right to decide whether to recognize that or not. Um, Most presidents didn't because they sort of saw it as an opportunity when we have an actual peace negotiation, a bargaining chip. That's now off the table for good or worse. I'm not sure. I'm not. Look, I'm not uh, I'm not the table making these sort of war and peace Mm -hmm. decisions. But I would say that when you remove one negotiating tool from the table, that's one less thing to give or to get later on. And so I'm not sure what it actually means for the long term prospects of peace. But what you're seeing take place today is exactly why president after president had decided to kick the can on this decision. You know, for decades, the, the United States has sought to be or portray itself as the honest broker in peace negotiations. With this move, with this official um, opening today, can the United States still say that? Absolutely. And that's clearly what is being outlined by the administration. Several questions were asked at the press briefing today about that. And we expect in the next few months for the peace plan to be unveiled. It is in the works, and this was part of the process. And for your former boss, Chuck Schumer, to come out and praise the president for this, I think that shows uh, tremendous uh, support for this idea, Mm -hmm. understanding that there were going to be conflicts and there was going to be some tension, but this is part of an ongoing peace process. I I have have faith and trust that that is part of the long-term plan. And and more than anything, the, the I think the president deserves credit for this is a promise kept. And he he made this uh, promise on the campaign trail. Evangelicals uh, came out in in full support for him for this reason. But this, the the clashes we anticipated, but I think long-term peace is going to be in the cards. The only thing I would caveat that, and I I respect that opinion, but the thing I would concern me is that I I have not seen a single instance in which this president of the United States has done things with sort of this strategic long-term vision. And I think that, yes, it was a campaign promise. Yes, he made this move to fulfill that campaign problem. But I don't know if it's really part of some masterpiece plan. But is it strategic enough to say three decades... um, Decades have gone by, and the same position has brought no change, exactly. and this is something different. It, a la North Korea, 
Does that strategy apply here? I think the strategy does apply here. And I think for, for your former Walsh Schumer to come out and say something, say, it was a, say that there was a positive thing, a positive step shows the bipartisan nature of this. But strategically thinking, for decades, people have proposed the same caution as saying we shouldn't move the Capitol. Right. They didn't do it. And we saw no progress. We've had no peace. So President Trump says, let's try something different. Let's try something different, not on the end of my, my term in office, but on the beginning of my term in office and work towards peace from that way. We can hope that this will uh, bear some positive fruits to have peace in the Middle East. Finally, Look, and Kim, nobody can we can all debate the impact this has. And we, everyone, the world waits to see. Right. We waits to see what shakes something loose to try to get people back to the table. But. When the White House says that let's acknowledge reality, that's a good place to begin, which is acknowledging reality, which they say is moving the embassy to the moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Do they also need to acknowledge the reality where there is no peace process right now? I mean, he puts Jared Kushner in charge of it, along with basically like mowing the lawn and 12 other things, handling the economy and getting prison us reform. And prison reform. Thank you, Paris. <laughs> Thank you for the backup. But there's no peace process. And Jerry Kushner today saying that he believes that peace is still within reach. I mean, if we're going to acknowledge reality, let's really acknowledge reality. Well, the officials I've spoken to have said what they hope this will do is put pressure on the Palestinian authorities, sending Mahmoud Abbas a message that time is running out and mm -hmm. that with each month that he doesn't say yes to some sort of an agreement, his territory is getting smaller. I just spoke to a senior administration official in the past hour who said... Even East Jerusalem could still be on the table yeah. in a future negotiation. So they're not closing doors. What I think they're discounting, though, is that they could be very much reducing the Palestinian Authority's room to maneuver because of Hamas gaining strength right now. But the, the, former, the former ambassador to Israel under Obama, Dan Shapiro, he basically kind of, I mean, he, again, the former U.S. ambassador to Israel under Obama, I'll say again, he wrote this. Nothing about the embassy's location prevents the emergence of a shared city with two capitals, a necessary part of a two-state solution. Inadvertently or not, Trump has opened the door for a much more frank discussion about the uh, an eventual Palestinian capital. I mean, it seems that Dan Shapiro, and he went, he went on, that was like thread four of 75 when he was making his point on this. But he, it sounds like he's saying this is refreshingly honest. C certainly. And, and the fact that we have other nations now announcing that they're moving their embassy into Jerusalem, I think that goes to show that there, there's going to be more support for this idea. And, and as, as we've said, nothing has worked so far to bring about peace in the region. So this might be part of a, a process that will lead to peace. But you're afraid the ripple. You're afraid the domino effect. I'm afraid of the domino effect, and I'm truly afraid that this is not some really thought, really thought through strategic imperative mm -hmm. of the president. Um, because I haven't seen that yet. I don't see it with China, as we've witnessed in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen it with most things that he's been engaged in. Now, again, if, if he is somehow able to turn the tide on decades worth of failure in, in peace negotiations because he is recognized Jerusalem as the capital, then I'll be the first one to cheer about it. But I haven't seen any evidence thus far that gives me any confidence in this president's ability so, to actually negotiate war and peace. So, hope, so hopeful Mike Morey is not. Let's see how he feels about the next segment, though. Donald Trump campaigned on a promise to put America first and make America great again. So why is he trying to save jobs in China? Help me with this one again. The panel returns next.
ZTE, whose brazen disregard for our laws was as insulting as it was dangerous, ZTE's most senior managers lied to, obstructed, and misled investigators for years. That was U.S. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross blasting Chinese telecom giant ZTE. His department just slapped crippling sanctions on the company last month. So why then is President Trump now throwing a lifeline to that very same company? Let's make Paris respond to that first. (laughs) First, I mean, honestly, first and foremost, Donald Trump promised, ran very successfully and promised to bring jobs back to the United States. Why is he now running on bringing jobs back to China? Well, I think, you know, I... Early in my political science courses, they always talk about politics, about ducking the issue and compromise. And we know politicians and White Houses can duck issues. We also know that part of the deal is compromise. And I think this could be seen as some type of compromise with leveraging it with the Chinese uh, president because he knows he has great weight in in North Korea. And the thing about the job situation is there could be some American jobs that are connected to uh, ZTE in terms of uh, affiliate. Oh, oh, so there could be a claim that there are some American jobs connected to ZTE, which the president okay. would be putting America first. But if it was just blatantly a bargaining chip, then maybe that's what it is. Why not just say it? I mean, it's not like he holds back and in giving his innermost thoughts. This, on, isn't, this, like, isn't, this isn't the first time, and I can guarantee it won't be the last time, the president has said something to the very far extreme, and then he walks it back once he either gets all the facts oh, or... I'm sorry, do you want me to give you the list of things <laughs> that I put together with that? We're getting out of TPT, TPP, and we're going to actually see if we can get back in. Steel and aluminum tariffs on everybody, except now basically everyone gets an exemption. Build the wall and make Mexico pay for it. Well, now we're just going to... Start the wall and Congress is going to pay for it. Rex Tillerson, don't waste your time talking to North Korea. And Donald Trump is sitting down with North Korea next month. Continue. Yes. Well, thank you very much for, for outlining that point. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, there's the, the economic component dealing with ZTE and the security, the security component with regard to, to spying. That part's the crazy part. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of focus on the economic aspect and and this hurting jobs, but China is taking American jobs. I think more of serious concern is the national security component. And I, and I believe it's smart to probably throw out some kind of lifeline in advance of these talks we're having with them. However, it, I expect to be walked back, given more for the national security component. It's not anything. just wild to hear Donald Trump say he wants to create jobs in China. It's wild for any American president yeah, yeah. to say, let's Make create China jobs. China great again. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's another example of just pure bluster on the part of this president. So, I mean, you talk about something like Carrier. If you talk about something like China, okay, now we're protecting Chinese jobs when our entire campaign ethos, our entire branding is about American jobs and how bad China is is. He talked about China as a currency manipulator. He talked about Chinese flooding our market with cheap imports. He talked about protecting American jobs. And then I'm sure what happened was he got a phone call from the president of China. And since it's the last person he spoke to, as in all decisions, he just simply switched his mind, changed his mind on what he wants to do. Uh, you know, it, it, but I think it shows you again and again the degree to which the president is, and most of his rhetoric, it's bluster. And if you look at what he actually does versus what he says, you know, it's night and day. Can, 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 you, can you decipher the, the strategy here? It did make me wonder who was the last person to walk into the Oval Office and brief him on this. Because this move against ZTE did start under the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was cast to him as some sort <laughs> of holdover move. Um, But once the intelligence community gets their time 
and in the Oval Office. They will explain to him that both ZTE and Huawei are suspected of sharing uh, everything from uh, proprietary information to possibly what they're able to collect on their communications devices, which is why every single U.S. intelligence chief said they would not use a device made by ZTE. And the White House being asked to explain, they said, ah, he, what he really meant to say is that he just wants Wilbur Ross to exercise his independent judgment with regard to all of this. It's under review. Oh, or that. Review. Or that as well. When again can we start taking the president's word literally and seriously? We can talk about that next time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Great to see you. This is day 480 of President Trump's administration, and it's also 176 days until the midterm elections. That's the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow.